0: Hi, I'm Marietta Del Vecchio, and welcome to another episode of the Silver Bullet podcast. This podcast is about lessons learned in running a business with a strong focus on startup founders and CEOs. We'll uncover what gaps these disruptors have identified in the market, what they're doing differently to their competitors, and of course, to find out their silver bullet for business success. On today's International Women's Day episode of the Silver Bullet podcast, I'm chatting with Renee Garner. CEO of low-cost telco Amasim. During the podcast we chat about how Amasim disrupted the telco industry, leading change among its competitors, how she went from lawyer to marketer to CEO and what she says to herself when self-doubt creeps in and she needs a little pep talk. Renee, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank you very much. For those who perhaps haven't heard of Amasim, although I suspect that's probably unlikely, but they might not really know what the difference is between, say, Telstra and Amasim or the telcos, can you shed some light on
1: your company's point of difference? Yes, love to. Look, Amasim is famous for big love. We are the telco that's the simplest, most customer-loving challenger to the big telcos and we bring fantastic value with a whole lot of customer love Um, and simplicity is really at the the key to all of that and we we started out in 2010 uh, and the business then was really founded to give it to the big guys around the complexity and the expensiveness and the confusion that They were bringing to the Australian market around pricing and caps and extra fees and charges. Um, And this business came out as a sort of challenge to the status quo to say, hey, we're going to make things simple. What you see is what you get on the wrapper. And we're going to make it really easy for customers to understand that they're getting great value with no, no hidden catches. And that's really the philosophy of the business. We're very centered in customer empathy. Um, simplicity, reliability and agility. Have you
0: found that the Australian market has really embraced that and that growth has just continued?
1: Absolutely. I think, you know, we were really at the forefront of that movement um, for all of those years. And um, I think, you know, I'd like to say that Emasim actually led the rest of the category on simplicity. And you can see now that a lot of the bigger telcos have actually done their own simplification and simplified their products and pricing like removed contracts for example so there's no no strings attached so look I think um we believe we led the industry I think simplicity is becoming table stakes now and so we've got to continue to you know it's something we talk about all the time what's the next constraint what's the next thing that's holding customers back and how do we liberate them from that You're currently the CEO of Amazim, as we've mentioned, the
0: first female CEO for the telco, but your background hasn't always been, like it hasn't necessarily been linear, has it? Tell us about your unconventional journey from lawyer to chief marketing officer to CEO.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, honestly, if I I think back to my first real job as a young graduate corporate lawyer, having far too much fun, having moved from um, Perth to Melbourne into the big city and Uh, Did a lot of hard work and long hours, a lot of partying as well in those early days. But if I was thinking back then, you know, um, would I be leading this extraordinary business with this extraordinary team with such excitement around giving the big love to the world, I would never have predicted it, ever. So I really like to think about that a lot, um, that I could never have predicted being here, when I think about what lies ahead of me and I talk to that a lot around the people I mentor and in my women's network around unpredictability and uncertainty and the excitement of the possibilities around what lays ahead because um, it's so nice not to have your future laid out because, because of the expectations that either you had on yourself or your parents had on you or friends and family or even expectations that society had put on me, you know, growing up that I was going to go to law school and be some kind of a hot corporate lawyer and end up a partner of a law firm, you know, I'm so happy that I followed my own path. So, um, I mean, I started out as a corporate lawyer, yes, and had a fantastic time. It was a great foundation for me in my career in terms of critical thinking and lots of red pen in the early days comes on all your kind of work and you think, oh God, it's so hard. But, um, you know, it's such good grounding in a way, that sort of a a background. But then I moved into um, the energy industry following the wave of curiosity that I have around climate change. And I actually wrote um, a textbook on climate change in those early years that's still studied, actually. Yeah, I saw that. You co authored Australia's first climate change law book. Yes. <laughs> I think I get like $5 royalty still um, for the one book that might get sold. Anyway, (laughs) hilarious. Um, But yeah, look, I moved into the energy industry because I realised that um, climate change was really around energy security and securing fossil fuels and, um, you know, having to, we need to change our energy ecosystem. So I really wanted to be the atheist in church and get into an energy business and try and change it from the inside out. And I spent eight years there and I had an amazing career. You know, I, I did corporate strategy and government affairs and then went into operational risk and compliance and then found my way into marketing and when I hit that part of the place I was like wow this is great customers dynamic fast-paced you know meeting people's needs changing society's behavior really thinking about movements Um, And I really, really loved that part of the world. It was really great. So I had this sort of um, extraordinary opportunity at Energy Australia. It was like a playground for growth. And I had fantastic leaders that gave me a lot of opportunities. That's going to be my
0: next question, actually. Do you find that 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 is a unique experience to be offered such unique experiences that are not necessarily aligned identically to your past experience?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I talked about this last week with my female network and my leaders, uh, my female leaders in our ladies' network. I think what's interesting is my reflection on how that's gone down is really around either I've asked, I've seen white space and asked to play in the white space and agitated to move into roles, or when things have come my way, I've typically said yes with the unknowing ahead of me. And there's A real confidence that's required to do that Um, and I think finding that confidence within to step into the unknown is probably the hardest thing because once you get in there and you start asking questions you can typically seek to understand what's happening and understand what you need to do um, and how you need to lead and shape to get the outcomes but it's actually that moment before you say yes to stepping into a new role which is often the bit where the wobbles come in yeah and And where, (laughs) where did you get
0: that curiosity and that that confidence because we know that women typically lack that confidence to lean into those spaces and you know everybody talks about imposter syndrome and but but for you to have that vision and just think I'll jump and learn to fly on the way down is quite extraordinary can you attribute that to anything in particular
1: um, I think I had um, a very encouraging and supportive upbringing um, with very, very um, supportive family unit. I had parents that said to me, you know, when you were born, Renee, you got you were given an all access path to life. You don't need a gym membership to get, get after anything. So everything's there to be sort of have a go, have a go. So that was always the kind of mentality. But I think that's sort of the background context. But I do think that in those moments where you get the wobbles, I often have to talk myself down a bit from a ledge. You know, like it's about that, oh, all the self-doubt comes in. I can't do this. I'm going to be found out. Maybe I don't have what it takes. And then you have to go, well, well hang on. What have I done that actually gives me confidence that I am capable of this? And I've done complex stuff like this before. What What tells me that I this would be any different to that? And I was okay then. So why would I buy, why wouldn't I be okay now? So there's a little bit of Um, self-talk that I have to sort of build work myself back down that ladder back to being very grounded and saying am I confident enough that I can ask questions to figure out what's happening here and what I need to do am I am I going to be okay to kind of problem solve yeah I can problem solve I've done that over here 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 so it's just about becoming back down to what have I done in my life work-wise or personal What, what have I navigated and really reflecting on that experience and using that as a way to get the confidence that you can move forward into the new ones. That's the way I kind of think about it. Yeah. And it sounds like you
0: give yourself the leniency to not know everything as well. Like it's okay
1: to figure it out. Like, yeah, you're going to ask questions. You don't know everything. You're going to problem solve. That's okay. hundred percent. Honestly, when I was, when I came back into this role, I'd been on maternity leave for, um, six and a half months when I got, The call up to come from the CMO role into this role and I I was going through all of that you know there's there's already a bit of a lack of confidence coming off mat leave back into any job and that's the reality that you know you've been out you don't know what's happened you haven't been there Um, and then coming into this role I had that you know you don't know what you don't know but you've just got to think I've got good people around me I'm I'm okay to ask questions questions is not an act of stupidity questions good que- good questions are actually uh being smart and um be confident that I could know the questions to ask and rely on the fantastic people that are around me and being vulnerable and letting people know look I don't have those questions I'm going to really need to work with you on this and I'd really like you to help me get better and learn so I had a lot of those really open conversations coming back into this role and I've just got such a supportive group of people here um and that's also um such a positive about working in a place like a you talked earlier about the critical thinking that you adopted when you were a lawyer
0: and how that's um that was a really great training ground for you is there anything else that you would point out that you have carried with you from your previous years in your career that sticks with you now that you live by every day
1: Mm, it's probably not the technical stuff but it's it's really what has really shaped me is the people, the leaders that I've been exposed to. I worked for an amazing leader, Kim Clark, who was the Chief Customer Officer at Energy Australia. She's now still my mentor and close friend. But she used to say to me, Renee, we're going to run to the red and be proud of the green. And that, you know, I take that, that sort of tagline, I carry that around everywhere with me.
0: What she does it, also, mean?
1: it means essentially when, when performance in the business is red, like you're going negative sales or yes. things you've got to run to that. You've got to run and find out, get curious about it, understand it, turn it around. And then when things are green, things are going well or metrics are looking good, make sure you pause to give everybody a pat on the back and celebrate. And I just really love that because it means that you don't get scared when things aren't working out. You actually seek to understand. When we're not winning, we're learning. It's kind of like that kind of philosophy. Um, And I really take that curiosity in that when we're not winning, we're learning into everything that I do. And I learnt that from her. Um, Peter O'Connell, who founded Amaze was the most extraordinary leader I've ever been exposed to. He led with his heart on his sleeve in a really positive way, people first so his philosophy which i now just have embodied heart mind and spirit is around high care and high accountability and that care for people first and foremost making sure that you know this i suppose it comes to this understanding as a leader we are ultimately responsible for the well-being of every single person that we lead there's a duty of care there but it's more than that like we should want them to be thriving, doing their best work, feeling like they are growing and striving. And if we can do that, the business outcomes will flow. And um, he, you know, before I started at Amazim, I was very performance driven, very sort of results performance, possibly a little bit hard, a little bit more edge than I probably have now. I'm still got that sort of edge, but not like a nasty edge, but, you know, more like a very results orientated edge. But I've definitely, now have unlocked this thinking and belief, this strong belief that people build businesses, not the other way around. And it's it's an amazing way to lead and think about organisations.
0: Well, that takes me to, I guess, your your initiatives in the company. You talked about your women's network and I know you have some other passions and you mentor people as well. Tell us a little bit about the things that you're involved with. Um, especially as we hit International Women's
1: Day today, it's such an important thing to have female leaders that we can look up to. Oh, I just love it. I, you know, I just love celebrating the awesome women um, at Amazim and across Optus. We've established what we've called the Multipliers Network um, at Amazim, which is our women's network. And we exist to ignite each other's confidence and connection. And confidence and connection are the two things that I... Deeply believe are the things that women need most to succeed, and the network exists so that we can be each other's confidence and be each other's network and look out for each other. Last week, for example, in our session, we shared with each other our development plans. I shared my development plan with the team, all the the good stuff, the, the definitely the areas for improvement, fully open, and everyone went around one by one and shared their development. You know, objectives, where could they get better? What do they want to do? What what waves of curiosity in their lives do they want to ride? And if we know that about each other really deeply, it means we can look out for each opp- opportunities for each other. And for example, one person was keen to do more speaking. So she spoke, you know, this week and we're all like, amazing wrap around her because we know that's what she's working on so we can say how hey, you did well or here's you know here's where you know fantastic or we could help you here or there so it's really just about getting around to each other knowing what's important and giving each other that confidence and connection yeah, I
0: love that that's really positive and fosters that kind of culture as you've said what about, um, like, from a, from a female perspective in the workplace, there's a lot of challenges logistically in being able to juggle parenthood and being a business leader. What's your perspective on, I guess, how we're doing as a society in progressing parental
1: leave and um, flexible working arrangements? Mm. Look, I think from an amazing perspective, we've always been since – Founded, very focused on flexibility um and ensuring coming to this people first, ensuring that people um, have the flexibility they need to do the things that they want to do to get their best versions of themselves so you know we're doing quite well on parental leave, you know we've got fourteen weeks paid leave plus superannuation throughout that's amazing we've got flexible yeah. working arrangements. You know, we've got this amazing multipliers network and there's a lot of mentoring opportunities within the business. Look, so we've got we've got there, but there's just always so much more to do. When I say all this good stuff, there's just so much more to do. And I've certainly, having just come back off maternity leave, experienced what it is like. Um, and it is not easy. It's not easy coming back to work part-time or full-time. And I, I've, I came back full-time Um, with a husband or partner that's also got very big demands um, and with a very small baby, there's just so much more to actually get on top of. And I'm not going to sit here and say it's easy, but I think it requires really good planning um, and it requires a very open and supportive workforce. And the two sort of things I did when I came back, my two tricks coming back in were I'm going to make sure everybody knows when I need to leave and I'm not going to skulk out the door and say, oh, I've got to, I'm going to be like, this is where I'm here. This is when I have to leave. And here's my week. And I want everybody who interacts with me to know that. So it's very transparent and open. And the other thing which my girlfriend told me, which I love and I say now to all the women, I I promise myself I'm never going to apologize when I have to leave. So I'm never going to say, sorry, guys, I've just got to, I'm sorry, I've just got to go pick up the baby. You know, sorry, I'm just leaving. You know, that's women often say they're sorry. Why are we sorry? I've come in, I've done my time. I'm, you know, I'm I'm working hard. I'm not going to say I'm sorry. I'm just going to own it. I'm going to own my world. And I just now say, when I hear it anywhere, don't say sorry, just go. It's great. You've got, you've got your timelines. You're doing, you're, you're succeeding. Don't say sorry. So they're the kind of tricks coming back for me on that. And they're the kind of cultural things that I'm Also, really focusing on anemacium, which is the tone of the way we talk about these things. Um, It's really important.
0: In the women that you mentor, over a hundred women, which is quite incredible.
1: Are there any common themes that you're hearing when you're chatting to them? Well, confidence and connection. So, confidence continues to be the main thing that comes up all the time. This feeling of. I hear it all the time, in like, oh, I've been offered this thing, but I'm just not sure. I'm not sure if I'm ready, or is it the right next move? You know, will I go backwards? Um, is taking time out or doing this going to impact this? There's a very, and my reflection on that is there's a very short perspective. And I, as I said to the Women's Network last week, in in an average Australian work life site time, there's people do about 13 jobs, and the average working horizon now is around 50 years of work life and that's the kind of perspective we need to put on our lives and the moves that we make because it makes the short-term moves less existential um, or fatal if it's not the right thing it's okay what you've le- now learned is that that's not your jam um, and what a great learning thank gosh you've actually tried something new and learned that because that tells you what you don't want to do next or accounted that is it's been an amazing move and you can't believe why didn't why did it take you so long to do that yeah so i think taking a long-term perspective on decision making um also gives you confidence so there's different so that confidence and connection comes up all the time yeah i love that
0: what's the future look like uh for amazing what's on the agenda the next few months in terms of product i hear you have exciting tech advancements and using ai and things like that
1: well, if I said it in one word, it would be growth. Actually, I'll say it in two words, radical growth. Growth, 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 growth. So <laughs> look, we've got the sexiest mobile product in Australia. It's great value. It comes with amazing love. We look after our customers like no one else. So for us, it's about getting it in the more hands of Australians. Like the vision is that every Australian goes on a first date with a Amazim and finds their soulmate. That's pretty <laughs> much it. That's cute. We just have to find ways to get people to go on hot dates with us, quite frankly. We've just launched um, with Apple. That's a pretty sexy reason to come to a Um, because, you know, who doesn't want an Apple in their hand? Um, and we've launched a device business, um, which is great because we didn't have that before. Uh, lots of cool um, new product features coming, like roaming's launching shortly, a really hot roaming offering for those that are going now travelling post-COVID. So we've just got so much ahead of us. But um, I think the sure thing is with a Amazim, you're going to get all the value and all the love um, that you just won't get anywhere else. So we just have to make sure that everyone's aware of that. And finally, what's your silver bullet for business success?
0: This can be, doesn't have to be a practice, can be absolutely anything. Your personal silver bullet for business success.
1: (laughs) This is a really daggy silver bullet. And, oh, I'm just going to say it. I'm a crazy meal prepper. Like, it helps me with my whole week. <laughs> like, yes, like, yesterday I wake up and I, I have, like, a zero cook policy on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, pretty much, which means my Sunday is just, like, this extra hardcore meal prep situation for a couple of hours. But it just gets me so set up for success, especially with a small baby at home yeah. um, who's now... Yeah, 19 months old. Um, and it just means I can hit Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, which are my big, you know, big setup days for the week without worrying about the, the little stuff. And it's that kind of planning that's really required for me at the moment in my life. And, you know, you can find me on TikTok on the hashtag meal prep. I, <laughs> I love just, it. <laughs> like scrolling, like doom scrolling TikTok. <laughs> on meal prep ideas but i'm telling you it is a it's a it's a smorgasbord of great ideas tiktok for meal prep um so i know that's a really daggy one but it really does help me be successful at the moment no structure and
0: routine (laughs) are lifesavers i'm on board (laughs) i love a meal prep i'm gonna go i didn't know hashtag meal prep was um (gasps) full of golden inspo on tiktok so i am gonna hit it up thank you so much for bringing it to my attention. And thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, Renee Garner. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great.